Welcome back to a special part two episode of the Wild Edible World podcast. Part two. Part dose. So, uh, yeah, this is just a little, a little bit of a pickup on, uh, on our Apple episode. Um, like, like I started the last episode with, um, we knew that it would be difficult to cram everything, even to a long episode like that one was. So we decided, hey, let's do a little bit more. And let's uh, let's maybe do a little little half C episode, and then uh, and then some cool stuff that we got going on on the second half. Yeah, some a little bit of uh, um, foretelling that or foreshadowing for our next episodes too. Um, some we got some fun stuff in the works that hopefully will pan out. Um, but yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit more about like history of apples in the America in in North America, and um, a little bit more about uh, instead of just saying like. Hey, you know what an apple looks like, right? You like, go well, eat it. <laughs> yeah, go eat this stuff. Well, I, I've actually had, I've seen some pictures recently in Facebook identification groups of people um, thinking that they had yellow hawthorns. And they're like, oh, you know, the, I'm sure these are similar to red hawthorns. I just want to double check. And no, they're yellow crab apples. So mm. I think it might help going over some of the more distinct characteristics of these trees just as a little bit of a refresher. Yeah. And to help us with that, I have an identification book with us to give the proper terminology um, and so that it's not just me kind of rambling on on what I think a tree looks like. <laughs> an alligator! Um, no, so if you want to find an apple tree, uh, let's see here. Let's see here where we got the... I should have had this ready. So it's a uh, you're not gonna. It's, they're not very tall trees ever, right? So the, sure. that's one of the things that makes them desirable is that they're usually a height that we can reach and grab the fruit from. So you're gonna expect them to be at most 20 feet tall at the peak, but they usually have branches that carry pretty low to the ground. Um, and normally, especially if you go, in, you can find these in like old retired orchards. You know, mm-hmm. that's something we're gonna talk about in the history yeah. portion. Is that there used to be. A ton of orchards, orchards all across of America, either indo- indigenously cultivated or through uh, the Euro- European settlers um, doing cideries and stuff like that. Um, a lot of them have been retired and are just like ancient old, um, you know, orchards that are just kind of sitting, getting overgrown. But you can find like lots of apple trees sometimes. And they've been trimmed. That's all to say, I guess. You're going to find some of these that might be old, but they're still going to have, like, low growth because uh, they've been topped off and, like, cultivated. So the bark is going to be, like, really dark brown. Sometimes it's got a little bit of reddishness to it. And then it's really scaly. So it's got, like, uh, scale sections out to it. So I mean, that's I, mean how I, would... I think the alligator thing that you said earlier well, was, I, but it I wasn't feel like, that far-fetched. No, it, but I feel like we've used alligator to describe a different tree too, so I'm trying but it's to... Like a, it's like a bark type, you know? You're, yeah, that's true. But I think alligator scales are a little bit l- long and square, True. whereas these are kind of like, round, they're ovally. True. So they're oval scales, but I guess it's alligator enough. You're right. Um, dense branching patterns. So yeah, they are dense. That is one of the things about apple trees that in cultivation, you typically need to trim them a lot. You want to make sure that there's no intersecting branches. Mm-hmm. Have you ever worked with apple trees before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have so that's something, here. okay. So that's something you know about, yeah, right? Like yeah. you have so, to keep them pretty well trimmed. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with, with most, uh, plant life. You want, uh, airflow, uh, to prevent disease yeah. and, uh, to allow sun to get through to, uh, all parts of the plant so that it's, you know, active and, and healthy. Uh, so, yeah, that's where... 
And yeah, and then it's not diverting unnecessary amounts of nutrients to fruit that isn't going to develop completely because there's too much. So yeah, there's a lot of training involved in apples. Um, And then, yeah, so those older orchards, they're going to be much more overgrown. um, But you're going to find some pretty good apples there. You wouldn't want to do most foraging. Uh, Any other foraging in old apple orchards, that is a big warning sign, is like if you find... A, a stand of old crab, uh, I guess not crab apples. They'll be like uh, feral apples, probably more de- more defined. Um, you don't want to do any foraging there because there have been like lead-based pesticides and all sorts of insecticides and shit that was that have been like outlawed for a really long time. But because of how old these trees can be, there's no telling what was used on those. What was used on them? So you can eat the fruit. The fruit is safe. Yeah. But any other like vegetal foraging on the grounds is uh recommended against yeah i wonder how for i wonder for how long like, i wonder if it if eventually the you know something dissipates or uh it becomes inactive or whatever i'm just curious no that's a good that's a good question um i'm pretty sure that a lot of these industrial compounds have really long half-lives that's why we stopped using them sure because they do remain pollutants, um, but you know that's that remains to be argued about glyphosate as well, which is a really yeah, popular yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. plant um, herbicide, yeah. and that poison, yeah, poison, yeah, <laughs> and it lasts for uh, a real uh, too damn long, yeah, too damn long. So let's move on to the leaves. They're serrated, so they're just a little bit. Uh, they're oval. But serrated margins, and then they have a lighter colored underside too. Yeah. So uh, they also turn really pretty colors really early. So mm-hmm. they, I think they're they drop leaf uh, pretty you know pretty early. Yeah, my tree in the backyard. Uh, it's called a Whitney crab apple, um, and it is oh. it, it grows like golf ball sized apples uh, that are sweet like a you know like a tr- like a domesticated apple. Um, but the leaves turn like this really really pretty shade of purple uh, in the fall. But yeah, I mean, they, they flower really densely in the spring. We talked about that in the last episode. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, what are you doing this far into it? Go back and yeah, listen. Go back. Listen to the other one. Um, but let's move on to some of the history of apples in the United States. Like um, you, you were bringing yeah, that up. Yeah, there uh, there's four different kinds of apples that are, nat- that are actually native to the Americas. Um, but most of them are, you know, small crab apples, you know, and you, you can, you can almost, uh, separate them by region. So like, uh, Pacific Northwest, Southern, uh, Northern, and then like Eastern. Um, those are mostly just crab apples. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know which of those we've, I, they are, yeah, they are like, they are different. So they do have different uh, species names, but yeah, I mean, but most of the apples that we'll find are just like a. Uh, some sort of offshoot from the uh, apple brought over here. Okay. Yeah, they are European. settlers. Yeah. 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 And that's because, I mean, if you have an awesome thing like cider uh, and you're moving to a new land, you'll probably want to bring that with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's easy to forget that, especially like during eras like Prohibition and everything, that uh, it wasn't just liquor and beer, but there was a ton of cider going around. There was, you know, that was, that's actually the whole basis of the legend of Johnny Appleseed yeah, is yeah. that it was a basis of cider. It wasn't because people just loved eating apples that much. No, it was because they're that versatile of a fruit to be yeah. able to preserve to, if you have a root cellar, if you, if you keep them well, they last all winter. You can have a fresh apple in the middle of December um, if it's stored in a root cellar with the proper like protection and oxygenation and, temp- and temperature and everything. Um, 
and they can also make a really delicious drink. Yeah, definitely. Apple vinegar, apple cider vinegar. I'm making, I, I have about a gallon I, I'm making at home right now. So just nice. apple cider vinegar. Okay, yeah. What are you going to do with all that apple cider vinegar? <laughs> just use it all the time. Yeah. I drink it. Um, yeah. It's really delicious. I add it to seltzers to like really, it just like blows the flavor up in that, in that water. You know, it's like crazy. the Martinelli's apple juice yeah. that comes in the little... Well, from like Boy Meets World, uh, yeah, <laughs> or uh, uh, Master of None. Yeah, yeah, they they <laughs> they sell uh, like a giant version, like a gallon version. Yeah, um, and I have one of those that I'll pour like apple cider vinegar and then dilute it with water, and I'll, you know that's like a a good cleansing. Oh sure, drink. yeah. Uh, so it's like a portion apple juice or the Martinelli's. No, no, I just do straight vinegar and water. I just use that container because it's cute. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable. That they're like little. Uh, they're like little kegs, right? Or little yeah, they're uh, like little weird, almost like a little apple. Like a, they have little. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, they're like little glass apples. That's true. That's yeah. cute. Uh, and then just to go a little bit further on that Johnny Appleseed, uh, who, if you didn't know, he's a, he was a real guy. Yeah, uh, his name is John Chapman. Born in the late 1700s, um, he was kind of the movement of this whole uh, uh, feral apple. He, he he wasn't comfortable with the idea of. Um, of just going around, uh, you know, finding just three different kinds of apples, four different kinds, however many, like a small amount. Mm. He was a big advocate for variety. And, mm. you know, an apple is such a unique thing. Um, if you cut an apple in half, uh, like, sideways, uh, and you see, like, a, the star pattern, there's, like, six seeds. Um, each one of those seeds will breed a different variety of apple, maybe like the original apple or similar, but, yeah. but it's also possible that it's totally different. Yeah. Uh, totally different color, speckling, uh, you know, it, it, apples are just absolutely fascinating. But so he was an advocate of that. And it just so happened when you, um, at that time, what's that movie with, there's a movie with like Tom Cruise where they're like going out West and they're going to claim land and, you know, plant. Oh my gosh. Ruiz Irish, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Irish, oh right. my God. Uh, whatever that movie is, that's a real thing also. So, uh, one of the, the, uh, qualifications for making like the land yours or whatever was planting a number of different fruit trees oh. on the, on the property. So Johnny Appleseed would go around and oh, wow. plant, Fruit trees, apples in, in particular, um, would plant just these uh, these feral apple trees, or, or at least apples that he had no idea what they were going to turn into, and then wait for people. People would then come through and settle the land. Like, oh, hey, this has already started for us. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, that's so cool. I mean, I mean, it's you know colonization, so it's like cool, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love the spreading of apples, but you know, it's, it's purpose and uh, subsequent, you know, it's consequences are a little murky. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little bit. I, I feel a little weird saying, Oh, neat, man. Awesome. Ah, cool. They're just ready to move in. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> what happened at before? An, at least it's an apple tree. You yeah. Know? Like, right. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 it snowballed a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that's interesting. I, I, I uh, that's that's wonderful history to provide that that was a real person too. You know there is lore and mythology, um, 
and there is you know a lot there's there's some truth to some of it too you know yeah, like absolutely. Johnny Appleseed was just a story I heard growing up and then exactly you know, wearing like a, a pot upside down yep, on his head or something yep shit. just spitting out seeds yeah. as he walked or whatever I, I kind of like sometimes mixed him up with uh, Paul Bunyan and I thought Johnny <laughs> Appleseed was 20 feet tall or whatever yeah, giant, giant ox <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah giant yeah a blue ox and apple ox um, but that movie by the way that uh, Tom Cruise movie is Far and Away Far and Away I love yeah. that movie Movie. It's pretty good. Yeah. That scene where they break into that mansion and like, because they're freezing to death outside, sticks with me. Oh yeah, for some absolutely. reason. I don't know, oh. but yeah, good stuff. Um, okay, so I just want to make sure that we talk a little bit about uh, how to make sure that you have because crab apples can be really small, um, and we want to make sure that whenever you're identifying a crab apple, that the stem is inserted into the fruit, that it's like dimpling into the fruit and that it's not uh and it well it can attach to the surface as well but it doesn't have like a um i can't remember the scientific name but i'm gonna call them uh a crane uh the crane claw, <laughs> the claw. they don't have a crane claw attachment yeah. on the top of them yeah, yeah. uh connecting the stem to the fruit itself so it's straight from the stem into the fruit and then it has the remnant of the blossom sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's just like a calyx? little circle Is that it? I, I, I mean maybe. that's ambitious of <laughs> yeah. you so we'll say we'll say maybe um but yeah, uh, there's a couple good ways to identify a crab apple tree, and also uh, it's because I saw, or like I mentioned earlier, somebody mistook it, mistook it for a hawthorn. Mm-hmm. Hawthorns, like the names say, have a have ton of thorns ton all of over them. Thorns, yeah. So if there are no thorns, but there are only little spots on the branches, because apples branches have like little specks all over them, that is an apple. Um, no, no thorns. So with that, I think we'll. Close out this first half, and then we'll come back and talk about this really cool book that we got for free. Welcome back to the second half of the Wild Edible World podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Steve. Uh, you didn't have to listen to an ad because of, as of this recording, Anchor added, ended their sponsorship with us because it was a limited thing. So uh, thanks for just listening to some really good tunes by our good pal, Brett Westcott. Um, we're happy you guys are listening to us. We don't need to make money off of this. It's just yeah, a good time. This is fun. So we wanted to start off by adding one last uh, little thing. I mentioned prohibition last time, but we were talking about how before we were recording that there are no like not i guess not no but there aren't many large old apple trees uh, or like old orchards yeah because because of prohibition and how popular cider was you know there wasn't just people making bathtub uh bathtub beer or whatever there were entire orchards that were decimated mm-hmm. because that's what people used apples for for them primarily just making a bunch of cider yeah, so. the the only the areas that you'll find like uh, old orchards or like abandoned orchards are the um, like exactly where you would expect like the south, you know, like the east south, like those dense forests, maybe on hills that uh, that they weren't they weren't trying to 
climb up just to cut down some apple trees. So yeah. I think I listened to an episode <coughs> of Wild Fed, and they were in the Red Kill Mountains. I think that's I think that's New York, hmm. New York area, and that's that area has, is like famous for having a lot of uh, feral apples that have just been kind of going. Yeah. Know? Time, time forgot about them, but they're still pumping out fruit. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And they've just had like years to just kind of like change and adapt to the weather and like become pharaoh. I don't yeah, know. I love exactly. that like tartness and the tannins that are in kind of uh, more, you know, untamed fruit. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I, I think the variety is my favorite part. Absolutely, one thousand percent. Knowing what the hell you're about to bite into, uh, and yep, I, yep. I think I even if something doesn't taste awesome. Yeah, still appreciate it. No, I I, I had a good time, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. I'm not sure if we specified in the first episode, but just a reminder um, and just super clarify that crab apples, feral apples, and apples you buy at the store are all pretty much the same apples. It's just a matter of how big they are is what we use is is how we classify them and like how controlled their breeding has been yeah yeah if they've been uh cultivated like literally cloned and spliced onto rootstock then yeah that's an apple apple but a feral apple is something that is like just kind of a bread like a largely bred apple right that's yeah. going to be but smaller than the size of your fist and crab apples are anywhere from like those tiny little pinky sized uh or pinky knuckle sized uh droops which can get up to maybe like two inches in diameter maybe yeah. and then i think after that it's like okay feral apple territory yeah. and then once you get to where you're holding it like a baseball you're domesticated then it's domesticated doc so now to end that verbose sequence let's talk a little bit about this really beautiful book that we have in front of us yeah the the book that michael's read a couple couple short passages from and then we're looking at it's it's visually Stunning. Very modern, very clean. Um, yeah, really, really, really modern. That's about the best thing I have to say about or th that I'm probably going to say the most about it is that it is modern. I love how it's organized. Um, it's a single color cover that is a little, uh, I think that's called embossed, where it's yeah. pressed into the cover, so it's textured. Um, but yeah, so this is called Urban Foraging, Find, Gather, and Cook 50 Wild Plants by the author Lisa M. Rose who I already was familiar with because she has a really good Midwest foraging guide that she wrote, I want to say, around 10 years ago. Sure. Like, it's it's not, like, old, but it's a pretty, pretty decent staple guidebook for the Midwest because it is, like, Midwest foraging. It's going to be the first thing that comes up whenever you Google, like, hmm, I need to find a guide for the Midwest foraging. Boom. There it is. That's the title of it, basically. So, But it, the way they're organized and designed are completely different. I think it's shown a lot of growth. I think she's gone with it. I think she's with a different publisher. Um, but um, obviously, she's worked with a designer and a photographer. And it really, really shows. Yeah, it's just a judging book. a book by its cover, it is absolutely gorgeous. And then when you open it, it is just... Man, it just it just continues. It gets better and better. I think these are uh, blackberry, blackberry yeah. leaves, blackberry or black raspberry. I can't tell what the. I think it's black raspberry. Um, but it's yeah, beautiful little pattern on just, the front cover. Just really well done. Full color photos. Um, uh, it begins with a really interesting, uh, basically kind of like beginner's guide. Urban foraging basics. So yeah, that is since that is the title, that is the emphasis she takes on it is urban foraging. 
And then, um, yeah, just kind of your typical tools you would want, what, what things you can do in which season, which only takes up about 10 pages. And then after that, you have the bulk of the book, which is, yeah, 99% of it. Common Urban Plants, A to Z. And we thought this book was kind of cool. It was kind of timely that we got it in our hands, like right when we did, because the first chapter, the very first ingredient they go, letter A, is apple. So they have a really good, uh, just to give you an idea on how the book is organized, the first page is a giant full color, well put together. It gives the ingredients room to breathe, so it's not like too cluttered, but it's got a branch, um, a few ingredients, the uh, apple itself in half, so you can see a cross section, and then a few whole apples as well. No crab apples, but um, you know it's pretty ubiquitous, right? Like yeah, apples. apples is apples. But it also mentions at the top there, so it's got apple, and then right below that, it says immediately right off the bat what parts of the plant are edible, and I think that's really cool. I think that's brilliant. I think that's really helpful really handy because most of the time that's you know people are eager that's what they want to see and that kind of in my opinion that draws you in it's like oh shit i can eat the bark of this and of course you know once you think about it apple bark people use it in smoking flavoring all sorts of stuff it's great in barbecue but yeah every single ingredient was organized at like that page by page there's about four pages uh dedicated to each ingredient one full color photo a few pages on how to use it what it looks like, things to consider, how to identify, and then a fourth page with a ing- uh, recipe on it. Yeah. Really, really just tight, uh, tight, a tight book. Then at the end, you have your standard uh, index, which is always good. I use the hell out of all of my indexes whenever Absolutely. I do my research. Um, and some of that stuff can be hit and miss um, for some people's indexes, and I think hers is pretty good because it's going to be listing both the common names and the uh, scientific names throughout the index, and a lot of indexes only have one or the other. So I end up like searching two places, but I really like a thorough, I like a thorough index. <laughs> and it's got a, some good metric conversion tables on the back, too, if you're an overseas person. Um, last page is yarrow with a nice, beautiful picture of yarrow on the end. And these are really nice photos, too. It's, like, yeah, really good detail. For sure. So, um, highly recommend checking this out. Uh, we're going to have Lisa on the show, hopefully. Uh, we're going to interview her this Friday. So, that's, I'm not sure if that's going to be this week's, like, next episode or the episode after that. But um, we'll probably have a little bit of a wonky schedule and get these out to you pretty quick because there's just been a little, you know, Steve's been feeling a little yeah, unwell. I, I, so. I got the bug. Yeah. The one that's been going around, not the, yeah. not the COVID, but the flu. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm better. Yeah. We're doing all right now. So yeah, he's, uh, up and fight back in fighting, fighting condition. So we're going to let me Mick. Yeah. We're going to try and hang out and bust out a couple more episodes and get some like good content out of you about, and since it's, winter there's not so many active plants to be out and foraging um although there are a few things we can still talk about like i was eating some mustard leaves because of the unseasonable unseasonal warmth that we've had for the last week there's a lot of fresh green growth that is still out but um we'll talk about 
for uh, fermenting and preservation, other me- methods of keeping your wild foods and using them throughout the off seasons, and um, just just other random fun stuff. Try and keep it interesting. Yeah, I think fermenting might have to be soon. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did a cycle of antibiotics for this. Oh, good. Yeah, right. Sickness. So yeah, uh, you. Ba- I basically a bombed my my gut microflora. So yeah, been there, done that. Uh, Gonna want to rebuild from a from a good spot. So. Yeah, man, I got some kimchi if you want. Oh, I do. Yeah, it's yeah. been it's 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 a good uh good been been aging in my fridge nice. because I it, remember I told you I bought those two heads of Napa cabbage yeah. for like two dollars yeah. and food. then I made like it was like two gallons of uh, kimchi, um, which is oh, a yeah. lot for one person. So yeah, it's a lot. Anyway. We don't need to talk about this on the pod. It's true. But we, we can do this Hopefully later. you guys just like listening to us talk. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to bring this to a close. Um, we, we, we spoke about it. We, we plugged the book a bit. Um, really beautiful. You should check it out. Um, put it in, we'll put it in the show notes in the description, the title and the author. And um, we really look forward to talking to her in a week. Asking her what her favorite stuff is about the book, getting to know her a little bit. Uh, she was also on the Wild Fed podcast, so if you guys yeah, want a little preview episode. of what she what she's like, check that out too. It's been a blast. Yep, been a blast. Blast and a half. See you guys next time. See ya.